I thought we'd have a bit of a kind of mountaineering theme today. <clears throat> Some of you will be able to tell me what all these gadgets are better than I know. I, I mean, these look really good. I can kind of guess what these are. I mean, not that I've ever used them, but you obviously squeeze them, squeeze them into the gaps, and then they kind of click open, and I guess you kind of risk your whole life on this thing. I mean, that's kind of, it's a big thing, isn't it? Uh, we're going to be talking about this whole subject that Paul ends uh, Romans 8 on, which is about how can I be sure, how can I put my trust in the love of God. Will it be secure? Will it really hold me up for eternity? Will I go through death and life, life and death, and actually will it hold me? We uh, are calling this series the Three Peak Challenge. Um, and as I said, today we're dealing with this whole issue of security. Do you ever ask yourself that question? How secure am I really? What happens when there are real difficulties in my life? Will I hold up? Don't worry, I'm not going to wear this the whole time. I'm just... <laughs> You're wondering that question, aren't you? How long is he going to keep this gear on? I know. I, I wondered the same this morning. I was thinking, <laughs> how long am I going to keep it up? Um, <laughs> I'm not an extrovert. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> uh, what happens when there's a big gale, like a really big gale in your life? Something really serious happened to you or to somebody you really love? Will it hold up? Will I get blown about? What if it starts thinking of the rope? What if it starts raining and I, it gets really slippy and, I, and actually my grip that a moment might be good but actually later starts slipping down this thing? Or I just get plain exhausted in this kind of race that Paul talks about. And I just find that I'm hanging on, hanging on, but I get too tired and I let go. Will the love of Christ sustain me? Yeah? We've uh, looked at these three. This is the third peak. We've looked at, uh, first of all, the first one was we are not under condemnation any longer. We are not living in the kingdom of the flesh. Uh, I have been born again into a new kingdom of the spirit, which God has done. He is the one who miraculously has, has given me his spirit. And I'm now living in a whole new kingdom. The old laws don't apply anymore. The things that used to drag me down, I am not in that kingdom. I'm not one foot in one and one foot in the other. I am completely in his kingdom. And we heard that from Luke a couple of weeks ago. And then from Dan last week, we heard about being sons and not being slaves. I am a true part of God's family. I have all the benefits of a son. Not just living in the household, but with none of the rights like the slave. I'm a son. I can put my feet up, yeah, and say, hey, I can help myself to the fridge, yeah. You think, you think of the things the son can do, you know. I just don't have to ask permission. You're just like, no, I know where it is. It's, it's part of the family. We are 
part of his household. All that is Christ's, because I'm in Christ, all that is Christ's as firstborn son is ours as adopted heirs. Yeah? Do you know that? That's what Paul's been saying. It's really important that we grasp these truths. That we don't procrastinate between these things. Yeah, but am I, am I, am I? Am I really? Am I really? What's my real identity? You're a son of God. Yeah? Say to your neighbor, I'm a son of God. Today, we're looking at the third peak. And Paul addresses this whole question of how do I know I won't slip? Well, I might feel well tied in right now, but how do I know that with increased temptation and trials and hardships and pain that I won't fall into the chasm? I think that Paul asked this same question himself. Would he be strong enough? Would he be in the future at risk of separation from Christ's love? I think we all ask this question at one time or another, don't we? Yeah? Will I be able to sustain my walk in Christ? A lifetime is a long time. Yeah? At times... I know just how weak I feel. At times, I feel very like Zach in that video that we just watched, sort of hanging in the middle, kind of upside down, scared, just dent looking down. There's, there's that thing about it. But Paul wants to bring this confidence to us, a confidence that you're not just hanging on, but there's a confidence. And, we're, and I'm calling this talk, we're more than conquerors, as we'll see in a moment. That is what Paul says. I think this is one of the biggest tests that we struggle with. We can allow these thoughts to unsettle us. I just love it the way that Paul kind of preempts this, these kind of fears and um, I really want to have a, a time, make time this morning to actually have a time of prayer. I'm going to ask people to come forwards and get some prayer for this. If that's something that you're struggling with or have struggled with, we'd love to pray with you and say, let's just earth some of this truth into your heart. So let's um, read this first part of this passage that I want to bring, which is uh, Romans eight thirty-five to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ, says Paul? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus 
our Lord. I want to bring us this morning five uh, convincing proofs of why those kind of fears that sometimes niggle us are completely unfounded. Five convincing proofs. And we're going to see this, bringing this out of the passage that Paul has so helpfully put before us. First point. What if I should fail? Am I too weak? He lists, Paul lists the kind of, the things, the things that could separate us. Hardship, persecution, famine, danger, sword. Interestingly, we see that uh, in 2 Corinthians, we, we see a kind of list of things that he's faced. And he talks about some of the things that he's encountered. And he says, there's imprisonments and there's countless beatings and often near death. And five times I received 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with what rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. In danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people. When he says, who can separate me from the love of Christ? I want to say, and this is a really important point. He doesn't mean what can separate my, my love of Christ. But what will cause me to be separate from the love that Christ has from, for me? Okay. He's talking about Christ's love of me. My faith is in Christ's love of me. It isn't actually dependent on how well I hang on. It's about how he holds on to me. My salvation didn't start with a test of my love for him. Because I so love God that he agreed to cancel my sin and give me eternal life. No. It isn't about my love. It was always about his love. It isn't about whether my love is going to fail under pressure. It's about whether his love is going to fail under pressure. Will his love for me falter if I falter? Will his love snap if actually I get very, very to that point where I feel like snapping? Let's look at this. Let's look at what John says, 1 John 4.10. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It was all about his love for us. Second point, looking back, looking into the scripture here. And he says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Through him who loved us. It doesn't say that in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us us present but loved us past important to look at the tenses 
of the verbs. Paul has already stated earlier on in the book of Romans that just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person some one might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us, for you, for me, in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's past. He's died. He's done it. It's not a possible might in the future. No, no. He died for us when you and I had no interest whatsoever in him. We weren't even looking his way. He died for us. His love was demonstrated. He loved us so much that he died for us. His love was demonstrated when we didn't give a what's it. And Paul's kind of looking back at this point. If he died, past tense, when we were weak and powerless and still sinners, how much more will he continue to cherish and love us in the future now that we know him and been brought into his family? The proof of his love on his part, it even when we didn't show the slightest interest, he loved us. He went that point. No matter what is thrown at us in the future, persecution, enemy attack, weakness of the flesh, he will continue to love us. Paul directs it back to something that's already happened. He says, look back and see this that's already happened. We know that that has happened. Therefore, we can be assured that in the future, no matter what happens, future, that actually he will continue to love me. It's not a hoped-for possibility. It's a proven fact. He has died. It's a proven fact. He has already demonstrated, no holes barred, his love for you and me. Yeah? Yeah? Who's been a student here at university? Put your hands up. Okay. I want to give you the example of a conditional offer or an unconditional offer. <clears throat> you know what I'm talking about. Okay. One is dependent on what results you get. On the condition that you, you know, I know your teachers say that you were this good and that all probability, given that you're not feeling absolutely rubbish on the day and that it's not a really, really hard paper and everything else, okay, that actually this is probably what you're going to get. And you will probably, therefore, get into this university. Conditional offer. Unconditional offer, you are in. Tick. You're in. You've got it. We are giving you this this is it. It's certain. It's, you can go off on a year, can't you? You could lie on a beach. <clears throat> yeah? And you, you could do absolutely nothing towards it. But you know, you're going to turn up on the day and you're going to go, 
I have an unconditional offer. Here it is. I don't need to think about it. I'm in. Here it is. This is my university. I've booked my place. Yeah? I want to say it's like that. I, I, I genuinely think, as I thought about it, I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm imagining this beach. Okay, I'm there. I'm, I'm just there for this, this whole year. Just swanning around. You know? Just in that place where I know I'm completely secure. I'm not thinking, maybe they'll change their mind. No, no. It's an unconditional offer. And God's love for me is like that. The grace of God allows me to live a life which I can just totally relax about. I don't, I'm not worrying about this. Well, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if, what if I slip there? What if, no, no. I'm actually completely, I'm completely at rest. Yeah? I'm completely at rest. I'm at a place where I'm not worrying about it. I, you know, getting down. You know, I'm just enjoying that time. Getting the raise, you know. Thirdly, more than conquerors. This is, again, Paul's terminology. More than. I'm a conqueror? No, no, you're more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. I'm not just squeezing through. I'm not just by the skin of my teeth. No, no. This is overwhelming victory. This is grand slam This is annihilation of the enemy. Last week, Dan, Chris, Luke and I, we went on this course uh, in Glasgow, a great course, kind of really helping us to kind of uh, work better as a team, be clearer in our objectives, uh, understand one another, uh, just some really good things that I think is going to really help us work stuff through over the next year. Um, so really helpful course. Um, and um, one of the things it was kind of helping us with was <laughs> looking at various other um, companies and saying, what was their kind of reason to exist? Why did they exist? And we looked at Nike, okay? And <laughs> Nike has this tagline to help people experience the emotion of competition, winning and crushing the competitors. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's kind of, <laughs> I love the word crushing the is it competitors or, yeah, competitors, crushing the competitors. And you're kind of thinking, are you saying that I, with these wonderful kind of trainers on, are going to crush my competitors, or are you just saying you're going to just crush all the other companies that produce them? It's kind of a bit ambiguous. I think it's both ways. So, I, I, and you know what? As I thought about that statement, I thought, you know, Paul's getting at some of this. You are more than conquerors. There's a crushing of the competitors there. Is there not? Yeah? 
Not just limping through by the seat of my pants, barely making it. Bedraggled, think of bedraggled marathon runner, just getting to the finishing line. Oh, I just got in. Just, oh, thank God. God's love and finally kind of kept me going, you know. No. Paul's saying, I want you to be a bit like a Roman general. Let's have a look at this picture. Um, I want to be like a Roman general returning after the rush of victory. You remember what they did? It was called a triumph, okay? And remember that Paul's writing to the Romans, okay? This is out of Romans. They, these, the, the citizens and the church in Rome would have seen this happen. These generals marching in with all their troops, all the fanfare, but also all the captives, often stripped bare, paraded, humiliated. (coughs) There was a, yes, he has conquered the Gauls or whatever it was, right? And they were coming in. And that picture of kind of glorious victory is kind of what's got out here. Conquering captives, in tow, chained, humiliated, okay, preparing for a lifelong of slavery or imminent death. Now you might think, surely it doesn't sound very Christ-like to me. Well, I just want to give you some other scripture on that before you take judgment. Okay, Colossians 2, 14 and 15, saying, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, notice the word, he's actually using it, uh, over them by the cross. And 2 Corinthians 2, 14, funnily enough, same kind of reference, who always leads us as captives, this is us now, his church, his people, in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him. There's a sense that we've been captured by him, but we have been paraded by him, but we're actually there paraded, but also saying, look, yes, I conquered death, I, but look, I, ha- I have won my glorious church. Yeah, it's an amazing picture um, that we get. Can you imagine the crucifixion? There is Jesus on the cross. Others are looking up and saw his humiliation, his weakness, his defeat, as it looked like. Surely this powerful God, as he claimed he was, If he was really God, he would just command down a thunderbolt that would come down and destroy all the Roman God. But in fact, it was his willing sacrifice, his willing humiliation, that by doing it, he crushed the enemy. There was nothing more the enemy could do to rid the world of this menace, this savior. He went from, through death, to come out the other side. There was nothing that could stick to him. That was it. That was the enemy had played his last card. And so Paul says, We 
who are part of that procession of Christ are more than conquerors. We need to live a life, brothers and sisters, of more than conquerors. Yeah? I'm more, we're part of this procession. Christ coming in. Imagine it. Christ coming in, more than conquerors. We're part of that. Isn't that glorious? It's fantastic. We're part of his triumphal, victorious procession. We are inseparable from Christ's love. Fourthly, God didn't spare his son. I'm going to go back up to verse 32 on this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Why is Paul pointing to this? Well, there's kind of echoes of Abraham and sacrificing Isaac and so on. What it's saying again is if God carried through his plan for us to actually, even at that last moment, he could have, he could have said, when Jesus is on the cross and he's crying out to his father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Any parents here. You know, it's like when your child is crying out, particularly with young children, your, 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 your child's crying out. You're kind of like, oh, just leave him. We just, you know, I've got to finish my coffee. You know, it's like, no, it stirs your heart. It's like it does something to you, like, I've got to do something, you know. And here is God's son crying out to him. Why have you forsaken me? Surely, at that point, God the Father, yeah, let's, let's call it a day. This love thing that we're trying to break through in order to show the world my love for them. Let's forget it. Let's just, come on, I'll just get you off there. Paul's saying, no, no, right to the end, he, he didn't. He turned his back. He allowed this brutal crucifixion of his son because God so loved the world that he gave his only son because his love for us. And Paul's saying, so think about that. So if actually that was the level, even at that point, that actually he continued to love us, how much more, no matter what you go through, no matter what trial you're facing, no matter how difficult it gets or how weak you feel, God's love has already been demonstrated. It's already been put to the test and shown that he was willing to go the whole way. There was nothing, there was nothing that was more important than demonstrating his love towards us. No price too high. Finally, I am convinced says Paul, I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Interestingly, it's in the passive voice. I have been convinced. 
It's like, it's not I'm convincing myself. It's actually, here's the level of this truth. And I'm now convinced, given all these facts, that actually it's not going to fail. Actually, nothing is going to be able to take his love away from me. Uh, Earlier this week, we had a trustees meeting. We have trustees, okay? And the trustees kind of look at budgets at the beginning of the year. And uh, as elders, we kind of present them to the trustees and the trustees look at them. And often at the beginning, they're kind of hopeful goals. So this is what we think the expenditure is going to be. And this is what we think the income is going to be. And we hope that by this point that these two are going to measure up. In fact, we hope the income is going to be a little bit more than the expenditure. Yeah? But it's a kind of, it's a guesstimate. It's a guesstimate. Given where it was last year, da-da-da-da. Okay? And the trustees look at it and they go, yeah, okay, either, well, come on, guys, that's crazy. You know? <laughs> or they kind of go, yeah, no, I can see that. That's, that's. But it's a kind of, it's, it's, it's not proven. Later on in the year, they look at it again. We've just had one. They look at it again. They look at the figures. They look at the things. There's actual facts now. This is actually how much we've spent. This is actually how much has come in. They look at it and they kind of say, no more is it kind of a guesstimate. Now it's a proven thing. Now it is QED. See? We said that would happen. It's happened. I'm not saying that happens every time, but, it, but, but hopefully it happens. Okay, but it's a QED thing. It's a, it's a, it's, you're looking at it and you're saying, yeah, no, I can see that. No, it's, it's not just a maybe. It is. I, it's, you've proven it to me. QED, quod erat demonstrandum in Latin. It is proven, okay? I don't need to fear falling away that I might be separated from his love. There is clear evidence of his love. The rope of God's love was not only strong enough to hold me. It didn't depend on my questionable decision making in the future under pressure. It was about his love for me. And it is totally reliable. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who is not alive anymore, but is arguably one of the best theologians of the 20th century, says this. Uh, the convicted sinner no more decides for Christ than the poor drowning man decides to take hold of that rope, there's that rope again, that is thrown to him and suddenly provides him with the only means of escape. Reconciliation means primarily a change in the relationship existing between God and man, man and God. If while you were an enemy in his sight, God's attitude changed towards you was such that he sent his son to die for you, is it likely that his attitude towards you is going to change now that he regards you as his child? Answer, no. Answer, no. Convinced? This is what actually God's wanting to emphasize. Lord, we just come right now. We just say, Lord, I am convinced. I am convinced. Lord, I, I want to be like that uni 
student who knows for certain that they've got their place and they can chill out. They can enjoy you. Lord, we don't want to be racked with uncertainty and doubt and troubled. We want to know this for certain. God's love is not going to run out. It's, he is not going to run out. His love is going to sustain me right through to the very end. Right to the point where I see him face to face. Maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, yeah, that's all very well, Matthew, but I, I've never, I don't know if I am a Christian, actually. I don't know if I've ever made that step to say, yes, I want you to live in my life. He wants to throw you, Jesus wants to throw you a lifeline this morning. He's throwing you a lifeline this morning. I know for me, as I think about it, I can remember the day, 14th of November, 1973, calling out to Jesus and saying, God, if you're there, help me. I didn't even know if he was there and I didn't know what was going to happen. And I just knew that actually I really needed him because my life was falling apart. And God helped me instantly, helped me instantly. I knew, that's it. Boom. He's real. <laughs> He's real. All this is real. It really is. He's alive now. And he's come and he's reached in. He's going, Matthew, I love you. Come on. I've been waiting for this moment. I've been waiting for this moment. Thank God you got to that point. We finally said, I can't do it. I just need you. I've reached for that rope and I've said, God, I need you. If that's you, I'd like you to come forward as well. And we'd love to pray with you and ask, even this morning, say, Jesus, come into my life. Change me for good. You've only got to do it once. Come, change me. Do this amazing work in my life.